This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Even the things that you might not think are directly touching a patient or family member every day actually influence the way they experience your healthcare organization and therefore impact things like the way they will choose you in the future. Transforming the human experience in healthcare today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Grotto, and I'm excited today to bring you the second of our two speakers from HFMA's upcoming Revenue Cycle Conference. Jason Wolf is the president and CEO of the Barrel Institute, and he'll be speaking at the conference about the patient financial experience. That's one of my favorite topics. And if you know HFMA's president and CEO, Joe Pfeiffer, it's certainly one of his as well. We recently invited Jason to speak with Joe about the continued importance of keeping the patient front and center. Well, my guest today is a longtime champion for better patient experience. Jason Wolf is the president and CEO of the Barrel Institute and the founder and president of the Patient Experience Institute and a public speaker at HFMA's upcoming Revenue Cycle Conference, where he's going to be talking about this very issue, transforming the human experience in healthcare, and at least a significant part of that hopefully will be from a revenue cycle perspective. I'd also add that we work closely with Barrel Institute. They issued a, a really good white paper recently on patient financial experience. We were able to contribute to that, which we were just thrilled to do. It just fits into everything we've been talking about for such a long time. The paper was about the role of the revenue cycle in elevating the healthcare experience. So with all that, welcome to the podcast, Jason. I so appreciate being here with you, Joe, and I'm excited to have our conversation today. Yeah, good deal. Well, let's just jump right into it. As I alluded to in, in my intro, you know, we at HFMA, we've been talking about patient financial experience for a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a time of price transparency and the No Surprises Act, this idea is starting to take center stage, although I, we could debate about whether it's in the right direction or not. Yeah. But what do you think are the most important things for healthcare organizations to know right now in this area? And I think you're right. I mean, I think this is still an area that folks are prioritizing and trying to figure out how to weave all the disparate parts of healthcare together. I think for a long time, you know, we've operationalized healthcare from the inside out, right? Trying to just make the chaos work for ourselves. And I think we have seen a significant shift catalyzed by the pandemic to look at this as an integrated strategy from the outside in. And that really frames this idea that experience happens in our healthcare organizations, no matter what we do, right? There is an experience that our patients, their family members, their care partners that are with them are having in every encounter along their care journey. And so you know, I think it's important first that we acknowledge that experience is happening. This is not just something on the side or something that we just measure via surveys. It's the reality of everyday encounters from consumers in healthcare. And the fact is that when, if we come from that lens, they're not distinguishing between all the pieces and parts, right? The patient financial experience is not a separate bucket that they see as distinct from everything else they've experienced on their journey. 
And so I think it's really important that organizations really think about the fact that these patients, families, and their care partners aren't distinguishing these as separate buckets or assessing them distinguished from one another. But in fact, the patient financial experience then is an integral part of the overall experience people have. And if we don't consider it part of that integrated experience, then we have a chance to really miss what we're providing in the totality of outcomes we aspire to in healthcare, you know, because it is, I think, as we even talked about in the paper you alluded to, the, you know, it's often the first encounter for many folks in a healthcare experience journey. And often it's the last impression. And I would even change that to say it's the lasting impression. I was just going to say lasting. People have of a healthcare organization. You know, it is part of their experience. And I think it's important that we don't see it as just an operational function that we create efficiency or drive revenue or capture dollars. Um, But the way that people from the outside in look at it is it's part of their journey. It impacts their lives is how they reflect on and think about the healthcare organization overall that they just had an encounter with. And and it's important to begin to have that lens, I think, as we move forward. Gosh, there's two phrases that you use that I want to follow up on. I mean, one we talk about you know, making the chaos work. I'm from Michigan. I'm not a car guy, but I'm from Michigan. So I like (laughs) to use a car uh, analogy, but you know, when you buy a car, it's a really complex piece of machinery. And yet the whole process is boiled down to something that I can understand as a consumer. And I may not use all the features and the capabilities of my car, but it does what I want it to do. And yet there's so much science that goes into the formation of that car. And so I think Again, we have to adopt this attitude of making the chaos work. So, boy, uh, kudos to you on that one. I guess the other one is just so true. The experience happened. It's not just happening because we're measuring it. (laughs) It happened. Uh So we can either participate in it and measure it and understand it and really feel like what it's like to be a consumer or just leave it out there for whatever happens. And that's right. a really powerful concept by itself. So yeah. gosh, thank you for doing that. It, it does lead me into another question though. I, I'm curious, and I've written about this and I won't tell you what my bias is, but I'm, <laughs> I'm curious, maybe a current state of what are you seeing in the C-suite? Do you see the C-suite in health systems focusing on patient financial experience? I mean, we have a long history of clinical experience and lots of focus there. And we want to have good clinical outcomes and we want the patient to feel good in the clinical settings. But are you seeing it on the revenue cycle side as well? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we have long, like you, espoused for it. I think it's reflected in the models that have come out of HFMA for a while around that integrated consumer you know, encounter. But I still have yet to see it in, in significant amounts, if that's a fair way to put it. I think I think there are sort of more visionary or integrated C-suites that realize all the component parts are around the integrated experience that we were talking about, you know, in the previous question. But I do still think, you know, we're trying to survive a lot these days in healthcare. So I think we have to acknowledge that. We're trying to manage the integrated parts. You know, we are operating our financials off of just making what we can and trying to figure out how that works. And I think sometimes we forget that things like revenue capture is an outcome measure, right? Of how we engage the people that we care for. Uh, And so I think there is a shift that still needs to happen in the C-suite conversation, an integrated lens around how all of those folks are part of the conversation. I mean, I know if you sat around a C-suite meeting right now and you know, you look at the chief nurse and say, well, you're clinical and you can touch our patients. So you're responsible for how they feel. And you CFO or the folks that run our revenue cycle, just get the numbers right, manage our budget and capture dollars. And I think that that distinction actually causes greater problems for us organizationally and experientially overall. 
So I do think there is an opportunity and I would concur with you. I know you haven't shared your bias, but I'm going to guess that you're thinking like me, it's probably not happening as much as it should or could. I think we have an opportunity to encourage that discussion around the role that every part of the operations of a healthcare organization play in driving experience and helping people realize that even the things that you might not think are directly touching a patient or family member every day actually influence the way they experience your healthcare organization and therefore impact things like the way they will choose you in the future, the loyalty that they have for you as a healthcare institution, the way they talk about you at the Walmart or the soccer game with their kids, and then how someone else chooses you somewhere down the road is a place for care. Um, There are huge ripple effects and that integrated lens, I think is so critical. So it is an opportunity, I will say to your question that we still have to address. So I don't have hard data. So I, you know, and I think the tide, <laughs> the tide might be shifting. Yeah, the tide <laughs> might be shifting a little bit, but my gut feel is that it's not talked about enough. Yeah. Um, and I don't under, honestly, I don't understand it because that has such a profound impact on what consumers think to, you know, again, mm-hmm. to the point that you make yeah. so well. So, you know, that's my uh, answer to it. And again, I've been pretty open about it. And I think we share this, the same sentiment. Yeah. Um, maybe shifting a little bit, there are a lot of knowledge gaps. Uh, for patients about all aspects of healthcare. And again, it's that, that car analogy, like what's going on under the hood. But especially financially, people just don't know how healthcare finance works. They don't know how their health plan works. They don't know how, how they fit into this. And how much of providing a great patient experience is in education of the patients? Yeah, I think the answer is simply a lot. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so I'll, I'll age myself and geographically place myself like you as being a Michiganer. I, I, you know, I grew up in New York and there was a, a commercial and a place I used to call it was called Sims. And a guy's name was Cy Sims and he ran like basically it was like the first kind of warehousey clothing store and it was all suits. And he got all the suits, like the really nice suits on sale. He put them out there and his whole slogan was an educated consumer is my best customer. Because he knew that when people came in knowing what they wanted, they actually were able to get what they wanted from that experience. And it was actually better for everyone. And I think we forget that in healthcare, right? That our educated consumers are our best customers because we can better care for them. They can be partners in our care process, which is, I think, essential to experience. They're not just transactional recipients or unknowing participants in an actual financial process. So, you know, I think there was a great interview and as part of the paper we did, I think it was with um, Tiffany Houston from Door County, who built a huge education process within their own endeavors where they were actually helping explain people's bills, you know, and they became so well known for helping explain the process, understanding bills, educating consumers on that process, that people were showing up with shoe boxes of stuff from other healthcare institutions that weren't their own <laughs> to get educated. So what that, what that infers to me, right, is that there's a thirst for it. Mm-hmm. Because it is cumbersome and overwhelming and hard to understand. Two, when people understand, they can be better participants in their overall care. And three, they actually feel like you care about them. I mean, mm-hmm. providing education for information is one thing, but providing education to say, we see you as a partner in your care journey, of which we believe the financial aspects and ensuring that you can get care easily and in an accessible way as part of that is something that I think most consumers, most patients and family members would be like, thank you so much, because this is the most stressful part. I'm actually more stressed about the financial piece than the fact that I know I have to go to surgery tomorrow. And we make that the hardest part to deal with sometimes. And I, so I, I can just say, coming full circle to your question, an extensive amount is needed. I think we can do a better job of educating. I mean, it's not a complicated process. It should not be 
a cumbersome process. And I think the time and energy that we invest in doing that would actually save us time down the road in terms of how we engage patients and families, and even how we see the outcomes we want, like capturing dollars, like ensuring better financial returns, like lessening times of collection. I mean, all of those things would result. And so I think we have to do a better job of that too. Yeah, well, common sense would say that if they understand it, there's a much higher likelihood that they'll actually pay what they owe than if they don't, right? And I think that there's plenty of studies out there to show that. But the other part of your story reminds me of, Gosh, this goes way back when we were first putting together our um, patient financial communications best practices report. And we had people from insurance, we had some provider groups, we had you know industry people, but we had a couple people there from consumer groups mm-hmm. representing the consumers. And so, uh, gosh, this goes back like eight or nine years. A big part of our patient financial communications best practices, as you well know, is like having clear and concise discussion early on. And then yes. we, in the, in the document, we talk about what settings are appropriate. And before we formed those suggestions, the industry people were the ones that were hesitant to have these conversations early. Right. Right. Oh, the patients are too worried about their health care. They don't want to talk money and blah, blah, blah. And you know who was banging on the table were the consumer group. So you have to have yeah. these conversations up front. And I, I can remember that conversation like it was yesterday. Nancy Davenport Ennis was her name, and I haven't seen her since, but she was just so adamant about you have to have these conversations early for the benefit. And it's for all the reasons that you've articulated so well for so many years. Well, imagine if that's hanging over your head. You know, you, we want people to come to healthcare to, to, you know, either get better with our treatments or at least live the rest of the lives that they have with dignity and respect. And if you have that hanging over your head the whole time, there is actually stuff in your way of being able to do those things. Right. And so if we are upfront, open, you know, provide the education needed and then help people put that at ease or resolve it, or at least put it in a box and know it can go over here to later, they can do the healthcare journey, the actual delivery of care in a much more effective way. And I, and I would dare say, I don't know if we have the evidence on this either, but I think you'd actually see better outcomes because people would be able to focus on healing. They would hear their mm-hmm. care plans and engage with their doctors and physicians versus worrying in some portion of their brain around, how am I going to pay for all this? Or what does this even mean for me? So I think it is a significant step in how we refocus and repurpose the way we engage patients, families, care partners in their overall care journey. That, that would be a really interesting study to see if yeah. we could isolate the variables to see how the financial experience impacts their outcomes. But even if you didn't buy into that, it just back to your original point, it's their lasting impression of the health system. Yes. And, and that is really, to me, that's a pretty compelling argument. But a, a last question for you. you. You mentioned earlier that, you know, gosh, we all got so many things that we're working on and there's a survival strategy and, right. you know, and it's a, it is a stressful time in healthcare. I am glad I'm not a hospital CFO anymore. And we're facing workforce shortages and burnout throughout the whole industry. I, do you have any thoughts on how we could best support our people so they can, in turn, provide our patients, our consumers with a good, positive financial experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to something you said, and it came up in the paper as well. I mean, you know, one of the three main points we talked about was making the complex simple and accessible, right? And so I think the first point or the tip of the spear on this one is really finding a way to make things simple. Again, back to our first part of the conversation, right? We have built systems and processes to manage the chaos for ourselves in delivering care, not necessarily from the lens of the users. And the users are not only from a human experience lens, patients and families, they're also our healthcare workforce, right? 
Um, we have to care for our healthcare workforce as much as we care for those patients and families and caregivers where we can't deliver care effectively in the first place. So that's the wedge we have to kind of work through. And so when we think about making process simple and making the way we have to manage our financial you know, practices in a way that are easier or access practices in a way that are easier. So we're not doing multiple entries and we're not managing questions over and over again. I mean, those are the kind of things, designing systems and processes that make it simple for people, not just at the end user standpoint, but even in the entry point, the people that have to run the mechanisms. So process for process sake is still a problem, I think, in healthcare. I'm sure you remember, you know, from the oh, days sure. you and I both kind of walking around the inside of hospitals, you're you know, we created another process to manage the problem. And what it ended up doing was that creating more layers of work. And I think that this opportunity to create a simple, efficient process for not just our patients, their care partners, their family members, but for the folks that have to run that process every day addresses this very issue. And so to like lessen that work burden, to think about how we can make things more efficient for what it means, how we capture information, how we share information. Um, we really need to think about that now more than ever and really kind of boil down our work to the essence of what's really important. And I think we've all been there now, right? This pandemic has elevated for all of us the things that are really important. We should be taking that lesson and putting it into the actual way we operationalize healthcare to focus and do what's really important and realize a lot of the other stuff that we've done has probably just gotten in our way of being able to del deliver what we really want to deliver. Yeah. You know, what terms is going through my head as I listen to your answer is honestly, it's common sense. I yeah. mean, if we could, crazy, um, huh? <laughs> yeah, if we could just, because uh, every rule, you know, there's then there's deviations from that rule, and then you create another rule to fix that, right. you know, that, and and let if yet if we stop back and and um, I often encourage our members to do an honest walkthrough of their revenue cycle process. Mm -hmm. I mean, not send somebody out and come back with a report, but as a CFO, even to walk through, understand, listen to conversations. With a common sense filter, my yes. guess is we, we'd, we'd end up with a better patient financial experience at the end yeah. of the day. And I think to that point, what's really important is that you, you listen to it from both sides of the conversation, right? You should not just be looking at it from the lens of our patients and families, you know, from the consumer lens. We have to. I mean, clearly that's critical there. But I mean, we also have to look at the folks that have to operationalize it every day because we might be asking them to do things that we're like, we scratch our head and go, why do we do that again? Why do we have a system that makes you enter it? at check-in and then you're re-entering it in after paperwork comes in. And I mean, there's just looking at it from the both processes around what the work burden is on people, especially with the fact that people are feeling overwhelmed and kind of burdened by things today. Uh, we have a huge opportunity to lighten the load, I think. You know, it reminds me of one last story I, I just thought of it that I haven't thought of in a number of years. This goes back to my days at Spectrum Health and we were pretty focused on the experience and we were offering out-of-pocket cost estimates this was like 12, 13 years ago, way before you had the technology to do it. But we developed the process and we had scripting and all that. And I remember standing in front of our patient access people and I was just feeling really proud of myself. And boy, we were rolling this out. <laughs> and I swear this lady raises her hand in the back of the room and she says, this is a true story. She says, uh, Joe, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? And she, she went on to say that the script that we had put together for them to use was heavy on legalese and it was too long and it, it wasn't going to work. Mm. And rather than get defensive, I went to a workstation and, and she showed me it and she showed me the process. There were two of them then that they were teaming up on me. Yeah. And it was such a learning experience because 
they were the frontline folks. They were the ones that having these conversations and they yes. said, here's what we need to talk about. Yes. So we took this long legalese and I didn't ask our legal folks. I said, well, we're going to shorten it up and here's what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we just did it that way and it worked. Yeah. And so it was a beautiful learning experience for me. Uh, got me off my high horse and got mm -hmm. me real with the people that are really knowing what was going on. So I well, love it. I mean, that's the that's the the essence of human experience we're talking about. Right. We have to have a conversation with both those who receive our care every day and those who deliver it, um, because Absolutely. If, if we aren't caring for both in that equation, then we actually aren't going to achieve the outcomes we're ultimately striving for. And that's, that's a great story. I love that story. I might have to borrow that and share it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're free to do it. And you can humble me the whole time. I will. Well, it's all good. This is a, this is a dangerous thing because Jason and I could talk about yes. stuff, experience forever. You've been so gracious with your time. Um, okay. I would encourage folks to come to revenue cycle conference. You'll get Jason in spades and hear a lot more about this because it's so important for us to do so, but thank you for sharing your time with me today. Totally a pleasure. I'm really honored and humbled to be with you. Thanks so much. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. There's still time to sign up for our Revenue Cycle Conference. You'll get to hear from Jason Wolf and from Joe DeLoss, who was on our podcast a few weeks ago. And if you stick around for the closing general session, and I think you should, we have a great panel discussion titled A Cost-Effective Revenue Cycle, which I am thrilled to be moderating. You can register for the conference by going to hfma.org and clicking on events. And if you have a great idea for a future episode or you want to get in touch with our team, you can email us at podcast at hfma.org. 